There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. You all were in for a treat today. We're keeping the gaming theme going by speaking with Uni Lee, who is the Senior Director of Original Content and Digital and Influencer Marketing at Activision Blizzard, along with the amazing Daniela Rodriguez, who is the Director of Global Marketing for Blizzard Entertainment, as we break down their recent game launches of Diablo 4 and just how they do just incredible work over there. They talk about some cool and out-of-the-box campaign ideas they did for the game, and along with just all the other cool things they do. So if you like gaming, if you like marketing, if you love Miami, this is the episode for you. So grab a seat, grab a snack, grab a notepad, and let's get into today's episode. Danny, Uni, how are you guys? Welcome to the show. Hi, Colin. Thanks for having us. So the first thing before we get started, we'd like to do is ask the question, what the term young influential means to you? Danny's younger, so she can answer this one first. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and she's very influential. Um, wow, already coming out of the gate with the good questions. We didn't think of, hey, the title <laughs> of this podcast. What does it mean to you? That's right. Um, yeah, I, I think it's actually really cool because... It's, you know, rising stars, you know, we're always talking about like, oh, that person is a rock star. Like they're really kicking butt and making a name for themselves. So that's kind of what I think of when I think of a young influential. It's someone that is um, just really maybe punching above their weight uh, in terms of what they're doing in the industry um, and just really trying to do great work. But I also hope that there's like a tinge of someone that's trying to make a positive impact as well. Um, You know, a lot of times we maybe see someone that is taking success in the wrong kind of way of just, oh, I need to climb to the top. And that means I need to step on people on my way up. But hopefully a young influential also, you know, builds others along the way and uh, fights for for positive change. you know, whatever that may be that they're facing in the workspace. Okay. I love come that. On. Love that. I want to take Danny's answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I will plus one that. And I, I guess uh, I agree with everything she said, uh, but I also think of, you know, innovators and disruptors. 
Um, I've been in this, you know, advertising marketing business for 13 years. And as I've aged, um, it's actually always been like the new incomers um, who typically provide me the most inspiration and insight into what like cool new things that we can do. I mean, uh, no knocking experience. That's obviously really important, but like, they're like, oh, this, this is a hot new creator. Or, like this is a trend that I'm seeing on TikTok or actually this is a whole new platform. It's called Be Real. I remember this conversation very clearly uh, years ago. Um, so I, when I think of young influentials, I'm really thinking of disruptors, innovators, um, people who are breaking the mold of what used to be. And I think that's super exciting, especially in the context of advertising and marketing, because this world does not look the same uh, as it did 20, 30, 40 years ago when it was just, you know, like media ruled. Um, so that's really exciting. Okay, both of those just knocked, wow, that was <laughs> done. Just wrap it up. I don't even know what to say it. Just done. We can all go home. Those are phenomenal. Yeah, let's talk about Taylor Swift now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's tired. Welcome all to talk about <laughs> dying. But before we get into like all the cool stuff that you guys are up to, take us back to childhood. Like, did you guys have favorite games or gaming systems growing up? Like, where did the love of like games and things kind of stem from? Well, I can, I can speak to it a little bit because, um, yeah, I mean, working at Blizzard was actually always a, a dream of mine. Uh, my dad introduced me to Diablo at arguably too young of an age. Um, I remember uh, playing Diablo, like sitting on his lap, um, and he would introduce me to, you know, this game called World of Warcraft and all of like Starcraft and everything around the Blizzard universe. He was uh, a huge, huge fan. And, you know, I always wanted to work in Blizzard because I fell in love with those games, um, would play them uh, way too much, play them all the time. Um, and I always, you know, as I progressed my career, I found that I had a lot of love for just, you know, being creative in the marketing sense. Like I loved film, I loved video, I loved design. And I realized like, oh, well, that's not really, you know, that's not gaming. And that was okay. You know, I'll still have gaming as a hobby and a passion of mine. And you know, I'll play games on the weekend on my free time, but like in terms of my career, like I want to pursue like this form of creativity. Um, and then eventually I found out that, oh, you can actually kind of have both. And I eventually net out at, uh, you know, working at Blizzard where my two worlds kind of collided, but um, always been a gamer, always been a fan of Blizzard games, um, but, you know, still, still a huge gamer, but Hard to find the time, but, um, you know, still trying to play the latest and greatest of whatever comes out. I love that. So sweet. Danny, I didn't know your gaming origin story, so I was like, oh. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my, uh, my dad, like, uh, we were able to put, like, uh, you know, our close friends and family, like, I don't know, like, a couple of people in the Diablo 4 credits and had to put my dad in there and it was a nice surprise when he played through Diablo four and the whole experience talking to me about like, Oh, this game, everything. Uh, and then at the end I'm like, you know, he points to my name and the credits. I'm like, Oh, I think you missed someone. And eventually he found, he found his name and it was just like a nice touching moment of like, you know, like, wow, you know, so, so it was great. I'm just imagining like baby, baby Danny in Miami sitting on her dad's lap. In a big Cuban family, like 
Kill him! Oh. Slam him! <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. Um, I, I would say my story is not as cute. Um, I, uh, I, I grew up in a family with a brother. Uh, I had an older brother. Um, I don't think my, you know, my, my parents are older and like we're traditional because I had a brother. They're like, okay, boys, video games. Um, so I think probably like circa 1988, 89, they brought home, like, uh, there was like a Nintendo bundle at the time that had Duck Hunt and, uh, Mario one. Um, that's where it started. Um, I was like very Nintendo specific. Um, because again, like my parents were buying the games, uh, really for my brother, uh, played through all the Mario's and then Yoshi's Island. Um, and then when I was a tween, um, I think one Christmas they're like, oh, you know, PlayStations are really popular. Let's get her brother a PlayStation. <laughs> um, they got my brother a PlayStation, which I primarily use to play games like Tekken. Um, I fell in love with RPG genre then, um, because by then I was in junior high school. I could like ask other people if I could borrow their video games. So I was playing um, games like Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross, uh, Final Fantasy seven and eight made me really, really fall in love with the genre. And then even as an adult, like through college or even in my working years, though, I would never admit it to my employers at the time when games like King Kingdom Hearts or yes. even Final Fantasy. I remember Final Fantasy 15 came out like just winter of 2016. And we had a two week holiday break where I spent the entire time indoors just grinding through the game. <laughs> um, I've just always had uh, my like a love for the genre of role playing games. Uh, which I guess like Gen Z now says it's cool. So I can openly admit this. Um, it is cool. Um, so when the opportunity came to work uh, at Blizzard, I was more than intrigued. Um, I am an entertainment marketer by trade. Uh, I work in the areas of pop culture, regardless of which brand I'm at. But it was just such a fascinating thing to actually go to the mothership uh, and market um, these amazing games uh, that were being made and create such immersive worlds. So that's how I ended up on Team Diablo. See, not as cute as Danny's. Uh, it's so cute. And honestly, yeah. when you say Kingdom Hearts, you really got me because I remember when Kingdom Hearts 2 came out and I stayed up, I feel like, for a straight week and just played yeah. that all the way through because I was oh, obsessed. Yeah. I was obsessed. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Um, so for all those who aren't familiar, can you kind of explain a little bit about what Blizzard is and like for background a little bit? Yeah, of course. So Blizzard Entertainment is a huge gaming studio. Uh, makes, you know, world-renowned games like World of Warcraft, Starcraft, Overwatch, and Diablo, which is the franchise and the IP that we work on. Um, what we do on our side is we work on the marketing team. Uh, and we work on a franchise marketing team dedicated to Diablo. Uh, so really, it's Blizzard's only rated M game. Um, we get to be really provocative and hellish and devilish in our marketing. Um, <laughs> I lead the brand marketing. So I'm the director of brand marketing for Diablo 4. Um, and Uni, if you would introduce yourself and also probably explain everything better than I could. No, no, I thought that was, I thought that was good. But we, when we talk about Blizzard, always got to give a shout out to StarCraft. Uh, not just because it was the game of my high school years, but also apparently I have a distant cousin who was a professional StarCraft player in Korea for a while. So um, always got to give a StarCraft shout out. Um, so I, uh, I lead uh, content marketing, uh, which is a conglomeration of like, basically I think the teams that speak uh, or are closest to the players. Uh, so my team 
uh, includes talent and influencer marketing, which has traditionally been my background in entertainment marketing. We also have probably the best in class uh, community team uh, of all gaming studios. Sorry, I'm just humming Adam's team a bit. Uh, community team, which has always been a really core part of all Blizzard teams, really communicates with the players. So um, the interesting and nice thing about the gaming industry is like we take our player feedback really seriously. Like if you lose a player base, like your game's just not going to get played. So um, <laughs> we have a community team uh, that is constantly doing, you know, roundtables with our devs and our core players and actually incorporating player feedback into the game, which again, like very few products are doing that on an ongoing and regular basis, uh, but it's an integral part of the game industry and certainly really important to Blizzard. Um, also have a world-class social team uh, under content marketing. So um, all the funny like memes, uh, like, you know, I think, I mentioned Taylor Swift in this conversation. Yeah. Uh, we did like a Taylor Swift Diablo TikTok at one point during the Eras tour. Um, our social team really uh, does a few things. I mean, obviously we're communicating big game updates and uh, events and cool things that players can do um, in the game, but they're also like being a fun part of pop culture and commenting on things that could use a little bit of devilish spice uh, <laughs> day to day. So um, I am very proud uh, to have like such a badass team of uh, marketers under content marketing. We also obviously work really closely with Danny's team because if we aren't following brand guidelines and doing things in the Diablo tone and voice, we are doing everything wrong. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I love the and. I feel like the not just the marketing campaigns that you guys did for Diablo and but like all of them always are so cool and I feel like truly aren't just like being like oh let's do this cool thing because that's what trendy like it always just makes sense and it's always out of the box. So whenever you guys are like doing these campaigns, what is uh, where does the genesis stem from? Like, what is the first thing you all do? Like, how do you all decide like what cities to do cool things in and just like what types of like out of home and social, like how does that all kind of like stem from, do you guys just have like a general like meeting for what makes sense for like that game or how does that come about? I think Danny, you're well, like Danny uh, really, this, this brand did not have brand architecture or any degree of strategy before Danny stepped in. So I feel like Danny, you're probably best to tee up like the answer to this. And I could probably get a little bit more specific about things like our like celebrity or influencer stuff which is built on the brand architecture. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Uni, for uh, explaining what I do even better than I do myself. Um, she's always got my back. Um, yeah, it's 
it's really cool because for Diablo specifically, it was a dormant franchise for so long. It was kind of like what we refer to as a, a sleeping giant. Um, and when we come in as, you know, brand marketers, we see so much potential in something that is so unique as Diablo is. Like there's no other game out there that's as provocative or has the tone and themes of this game. And uh, we just really came in with a mindset of, you know, this game is usually seen as an older franchise. You know, it's, you know, 20 plus years running. Uh, you know, I've referred to, you know, I remember my dad playing it and he introduced me to it years ago. I think a lot of people look at Diablo and they think of like, oh, that's an older game. Like my dad played that or, you know, I know older people that played that. And here we were coming in with a ton of new content and a huge new Diablo game that uh, really was engineered to not only stay true to that core audience that has been around with the franchise for, you know, almost their entire lives, um, but also, you know, the product itself was fine-tuned to bring in new players and make them feel like, you know, you didn't have to be around with one, two, and even three to get into Diablo 4 or, you know, the new mobile game of Diablo Immortal. Um, you know, you can get into the franchise now and start anew and experience it. Um, so that was something that we really wanted to get across in our marketing of, you know, staying true to the essence of what Diablo is, staying true to the core of the franchise, the core of the brand and the core of the game, but also really become culturally relevant and make this game appeal to a younger generation of players. Um, so we really looked at what is happening in culture right now that it's an easy layup for Diablo to integrate into, either to snag it and own it and make it ours or just really insert ourselves into conversation that's happening existing. So when you look at a lot of the marketing activations that we've done for, you know, even just most recently Diablo Force launch, it's just all about being culturally relevant. And there's right now this culture that's happening around just like darkness a bit that was just perfect for Diablo to come into. And that just made for really compelling creative that uh, was not just dark for the sake of being dark, but just was, uh, you know, dark with a little bit of a fun tone to everything that we did. Um, you know, it wasn't just morose. It was always with like a twist of playfulness to it. Um, so it was really fun to, you know, find those opportunities to just break through with this awesome brand and just kind of start to make a buzz around this new game that was happening and make sure that it didn't feel like it was coming across of, oh, this is the fourth iteration on a game that's been around for so long. No, this is like the the game of the year that you need to pick up and play because it's so fun that everyone's talking about it. And I think Danny, um, Danny touched on something that we kept in mind with all of our marketing campaigns. And I really, really want to talk about our Halloween campaign now. We'll, we'll, um, <laughs> Paul and I'll uh, ask you when this episode airs. So maybe we can uh, talk about it briefly because I think it's in, in that realm of things that make sense. But for example, I think uh, the theme of darkness, and it's funny, whenever Danny and I receive agency pitches, I think when people look at Diablo, like on the Diablo bingo card, everyone pitches us a blood drive, um, <laughs> always. 
Uh, and there are just these things that they're like, oh, you're a dark game. Like, do this, do that. Like, maybe do like goth cosplay. And like, those are all great territories that we do talk about. But I think we all, before we launched, we were also paying attention to, okay, like you, you have Wednesday that did really well. Um, Stranger Things, obviously, which I worked on um, at Netflix. But like, there's this ability to have fun uh, with the genre. Because again, things like goth culture, darkness, video games, like in this new wonderful world that Gen Z is creating, like these things are all cool. They're not considered subculture, like, you know, the kids who just shop at uh, Hot Topic, like it's, oh, it's very yes. accessible and mainstream. Um, and we knew, uh, like, just like Danny said, like we we're talking to a new audience because the last time Diablo released, social media was just starting up. Like it's been a whole generation. Like we have to talk to our player base where they are, how they like, how they communicate. And it really opened up our ability to have a lot of fun with our campaigns. So some of the work that Danny's team did, um, especially around, around brand tone, architecture, you can see it in our social media channels, really informed how we went to market with certain concepts. So, uh, for example, uh, we had this campaign um, that was, uh, we nicknamed it like the Demon Meat Shake uh, Diamond <laughs> Diablo, but it was like a two-parter where uh, we knew we wanted to... Uh, engage with the world of food and culinary experiences in an interesting way. Uh, we worked with a partner uh, called Be Real who really unlocked uh, this creative concept for us. Like we had just run a beta uh, for the game. Uh, we were releasing stats about how many billions of monsters were killed. And they're like, hey, like what happens to all those like leftover demon like meat parts? Like we're being super sustainable and we're turning it into a demon meat shake. So the creative umbrella was like, eat what you kill. Um, and we took it a little bit a uh, step further. We wanted to go to market with a vegan demon meat shake because, you know, uh, it's sustainable. <laughs> We're also being mindful <laughs> towards living creatures. Um, and thus, the uh, entire campaign that we ran in North America was born. Again, Danny can probably describe this much better uh, than I can from a brand perspective. But it started off with a creator and influencer dinner. We brought in um, some of our most hardcore Diablo super fans, uh, general gaming fans and streamers, um, social influencers, uh, celebrities, as well as press. Um, they sat in this super creepy dinner <laughs> um, for 30 people in a basement in, in Soho, New York, that was hosted by Got Mick, who was wearing like a meat dress and swinging a meat hook the entire time. Um, and they really went through a culinary experience of, of elevated food that was inspired from like kills and demons and disgusting things in the game, but everything tasted good. I promise. <laughs> um, and that was our first beat um, before we more widely launched uh, the demon meat shake um, in three cities where you could just go on social hashtag demon meat shake and one would get delivered uh, to your door within an hour. So it's, it's things like that where like we, like Danny and her team set up such like an amazing, like tone and creative territory and we sort of like distill different ideas and takes and approaches uh, from that. Um, and one of the biggest things for us, again, is we're talking to a mass audience when you're launching a game this big. Like you're not just talking to the gamer community. You got to hit everyone that could possibly like this game. Mm -hmm. um, so again, like this is, this is an, an, at all points, I feel like our team, because we are really small and nimble, um, I think most people would be surprised to learn that our marketing team is like, what, less than 30 people. Usually when you're launching games of this scale, um, it's a much bigger in-house team, but our team's pretty lean. We're constantly talking and being like, okay, does this make sense? Like, even if it's talent, does this person, does it feel right to you? Even if they check the social PR boxes, blah, blah, blah like, 
does this feel right for the brand? And like, we're pretty communicative about like the yes or no of all those pieces. No, I love that. And because this comes out mid-October, if you want to tease some Halloween insight, you're more than welcome to. Because when you said Wednesday and all the other things and Hot Topic, you struck a chord with me. And I was just like, uh, you have to talk about more of it. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you off the record. because Okay, um, we'll talk, we'll talk be, later. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to be launching this until um, closer to Halloween itself. So. Um, we'll, we'll talk yeah we'll talk offline but I think that I think that's so cool and like you t- also touched on a good point like we're reaching new a new generation of and I feel like a cool thing that you guys do is like you said like you're able to tap into like Gen Z and Gen Alpha like the younger ones like when reaching those because I feel like Gen Alpha kind of like they're younger so they're not constantly on social media so is there whenever you guys are thinking of these like campaigns with stuff like this are you doing anything specific to really reach Gen Z and like teen gamers aside from like um, the typical like social out of home type stuff that you mentioned. Yeah, definitely always wanting to reach where our audience is living and really that is primarily on social. So a lot of our concepts are social first, like Uni's example of the demon meat shake being, you know, you tweet out on social hashtag demon meat shake and one shows up at your door within 30 minutes or an hour. Um, we're always trying to meet them where they are. And we saw fairly recently, to be honest, like if we're going to launch Diablo four, that growth audience is really living on TikTok, for example. So Diablo is actually the first, uh, Activision Blizzard King TikTok channel that launched. Uh, and we built out, you know, a whole strategy of, you know, there's this like dark section of TikTok that we're going to tap into and this is how we're going to mold trends in our very kind of self-aware demonic tone and uh you know all that so we launched on tiktok and just started to really observe what trends were happening there happening there and then we started to serve them content that was appropriate for the platform itself and just started to come up with different ideas of you know making sure that they lived on a platform like TikTok or we weren't forgetting about the platforms where they, they were. Um, so yes, while we had quite a few concepts that existed on Twitter, for example, we had others that did live on TikTok. Um, we had one that we partnered with, uh, you know, Megan Fox to read custom eulogies because if there was one thing that was for sure is you were going to die in Diablo four. Um, so <laughs> Megan Fox was going to read you a, a custom eulogy, which was really fun. And we, you know, recorded a ton of different eulogies with her on site um, and started to serve them as responses of, you know, you submit your Diablo death, get a custom Megan eulogy response on Twitter or even on TikTok. So using certain features of like TikTok stories and, you know, trying to, you know, pair a different video together and all that, we just wanted to make sure that we weren't isolating a particular audience because we weren't talking to them on that platform. Um, so social is a huge one, but we also, I mean, this was a massive launch. So we did have, you know, out of home, we had even, um, you know, anamorphic 3d out of home as well. That was, you know, very in, in select locations around the world. So uh, we realized that this was a, a huge awareness play where things like out of home made sense uh, in a certain way, but, when we're really looking at tactically, how do we 
bring about conversation. How do we get people sharing with their friends? Like, oh my gosh, look at this game. Like, look at what they're doing. They came out with a demon meat shake. That sounds really gross, but we can actually get one and try one together. Or, hey, Megan Fox is reading like these custom eulogies. Like, this is hilarious. Like, we want that kind of social sharing to happen. And we're just trying to, you know, always meet them where they are and, and make sure that they're, uh, it's hard to avoid, uh, it's hard to miss Diablo 4 because you're seeing it everywhere. You're seeing it on TikTok. You're seeing it on Twitter. You're seeing it when you walk outside your door. Um, so we really just made the surround sound moment where no matter where you were, you were hearing about this game and this massive release. It was actually our motto, like uh, create an inescapable launch. Um, and again, like uh, not just seeing hearing, uh, that was the impetus behind our Halsey and Sugar from BTS collaboration, which like peaked on like 92, I think, global charts, the number one on iTunes at one point. And it was um, on the Spotify hot debut songs of that week. Um, it also like spurred like thousands of reaction videos on YouTube and TikTok. I mean, uh, less, I think, like visible uh, to uh, the general consumer's eye, but we also partnered with a ton of gaming streamers like uh, who were streaming Diablo through the month of uh, release and not just you know, folks who already had affinity for our games, like one of the things that we really wanted to nail with Diablo to the gaming community was like, this game is fun regardless of what kind of games you play. So we almost very intentionally partnered with folks that only stream COD or only stream Fortnite. Um, and again, they really authentically love the game. They would start their first stream already at level 40 because um, they had been grinding away on their own and playing on their own um, until then. I think, again, it, it's such a like, it gives me a slight headache whenever I go to a place and I'm like, who's the audience target? They're like, everyone. <laughs> You're like, um. <laughs> I mean, and you know, if we're getting really specific, I would probably say, even though I hope we reach this audience as well through our out of home, like, sure. Like I can say we're probably not prioritizing like 80 year old consumers uh, who watch no media or only read newspapers. So we aren't marking to everyone, uh, per se, but I think uh, we really did cast a very wide net because again, that was in almost every deck that I got when I first started at Blizzard in January. It was like create an inescapable launch, and I'm like, okay, like we'll we'll make sure Diablo is everywhere, but in ways that make sense. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because I feel like a lot of times, like brands and stuff, will want to do that. They're like, we need to be everywhere, and they'll put their ads in campaigns. Like there'll be a, I don't know, like. A, a company that does like cardigans for orphaned alpacas in Southeast Europe or something. And they'll be like, Oh, let's be on Pinterest and let's be on um, TikTok." And, and it's like, that doesn't make sense for your brand. Like, why are you doing a collab with, with Emerald and every, and these random chefs when you're making cardigans, like that makes no sense, but they want to be everywhere. And I feel like a lot of times brands and stuff will like lose that, that thought insight where it's like, we need to show up in the places that make sense to where our audience is. Like you just said, like, our streamers and whatnot like we can't just be everywhere just to just check a box and say like yeah we're everywhere we're marketing everybody like it has to make sense yeah uh, and ga gaming is so rich oh i mean diablo and gaming is so rich in that um it, it crosses genres um again you can be a gamer and love going to music festivals and like uh like eating great food and uh, like fashion is actually a huge part of the Diablo brand in itself. Like in the game, you have like thousands and thousands of different like dope looks and customizations you can do, uh, which is why it's like, or like it makes sense to work with Diaprata uh, for a launch event. So it, it, I think we're lucky that the brand is so 
creatively rich Mm -hmm. um, that we can do these things without it looking random um, or people being like, okay, that that's like a a stretch. Like, why is this happening? So uh, thankful to the Diablo brand and also Danny's team (laughs) uh, for casting a really wide net of where we could play authentically. Yeah. And that's that last word is exactly what I was going to build off of, of you still need to be authentic. And that's where it's defining of yes, Diablo is this dark brand. And what are the opportunities that make sense for us? Because, you know, you know, we're talking about Taylor Swift so often, just because (laughs) something might get like a ton of views, right? Like, you know, Taylor Swift, maybe there's like a, a spin on, you know, that's something that you don't expect. But, um, Anyway, it's it's something where if you're going to put something out there and it gets a ton of eyeballs, doesn't mean that it's successful. So everything that we did was purposeful and made sense to the brand. And again, like stayed true to the core of the game and didn't go too far out where, you know, our core audience, the fans that have been playing this game for a really long time would be like, oh, wow, that is like so out of left field for Diablo to do. It still felt very true. It just was more of kind of like a modern take of, again, what's happening in culture and uh, what's the right Diablo opportunities for us to to take hold of. Um, and on the, on the part of also meeting our fans or meeting our growth audience where they are, it was a lot of social because we can be very strategic there. Um, so we were very purposeful of the platforms that we were on. But um, again, this was a massive, massive release. And we realized that we needed, you know, TV spots and, you know, what, it, where would we buy those TV spots? Like what kind of sports do we want to show this on? Uh, it can't just be almost any sport. It has to be the sports that kind of align with Diablo um, and really diving into our audience segmentation and finding out that information and building out from that was super helpful. Um, and out of home was just one of those of, you know, we went back and forth a little bit on it of, do we need out of home, all of that. And, uh, you know, we created this out of home that it wasn't just Diablo four is coming out, you know, buy it now. It was very much again, like in our tone of Diablo four of welcome to hell, you know, New York, Los Angeles, all of that. Um, and that's what made it such a, a compelling piece of just, something that comes up that you don't expect that people again, take photos of and circulate online uh, because the creative is so unique and appropriate for the brand. Um, And that's what made that stand out. Can I share an inside baseball story? Yes. Um, Out of home. Sorry, Danny. (laughs) So I I remember this was a hot topic discussion probably back in February when um, the the team was discussing out of home uh, messaging and creative. And I think Danny and team were really pushing for like, go to hell, Uh, LA, go to hell, New York, Austin, et cetera, et cetera, which I love, but like, you can't do like the advertisers won't uh, let you say such provocative statements um, in certain regions. Um, You know, certain uh, ad platforms will also not run that creative. But I think welcome to like, we landed at the place that we should have, um, like welcome to hell. Um, and again, that like very, uh, interestingly timed viral, uh, moment, which of course, like we did not commit arson as our paid media lead likes to say, like we are, we think the wildfires in Canada were obviously like terrible, um, terrible impact on the environment, but like who could have predicted, um, the skies in New York would be like 
so apocalyptic when some fan snapped a photo of that Welcome to Hell New York billboard. Um, it just, again, like, I think a lot of things that we did made sense. It was just the right amount of prov- uh, provocativity, provocatism? Sounds right to me. Sounds right. Plus, <laughs> um, like, still keeping that fun um, tone. Um, and again, that that just required us, like, having a lot of discussions. Like, does it make sense? Is it too much? Is it too little? Can we push it further? And, like, to go off of that with, like, the interaction, do you guys do any, like, in-person things or activities where pe- to kind of, like, bring that excitement and bring the brand to life in, like, in person for people to interact with? Yeah, there's quite a few um, different examples that we have. Um, I'll speak to one that is for sure top of mind, which is, uh, you know, again, just diving into what are those traits in our audience that are just really cool for us to expand upon and ideate on. One of them was that, you know, on social, we saw more than really any other franchise, at least in Activision Blizzard King, uh, but maybe even any game, you know, in and of itself, uh, we saw that Diablo fans were more often sharing pictures of tattoos that they would get of Diablo, like, or of the game. Um, And we thought that that was awesome. And we, you know, whether it was because, you know, Diablo is, you know, a hardcore brand, you know, it's very like, heavy metal and, you know, getting tattoos kind of like, ah, oh, you're super cool. Um, yeah. Felt super lame for saying that, but, um, or it's just like, you know, the subject matter is awesome. Like it's angels, it's demons, it's heaven, it's hell. It's kind of like that. If you know, you know, if you don't, it's still a really cool tattoo. Um, so we saw this conversation happening a lot on social of just massive sharing of Diablo tattoos And we just thought of like, how do we own this a bit more on our end? Uh, So we actually came up with uh, what we call Diablo Hells Inc., which is an umbrella for just everything around just tattoo culture and Diablo and that uh, tie-in. But what we've done with Diablo Hells Inc. is actually take over different tattoo shops all around the world and offer free flash tattoos of Diablo uh, for kind of like select, select days. So... We'll take over a tattoo shop in New York or LA or London. And then for, you know, a Saturday, it's, you know, you come come in when the shop's open and get a free Diablo tattoo. And that was just an awesome way where, you know, we had hundreds of fans at every single location just lining up outside the door for a chance to get a free flash tattoo. And, you know, we we would kind of like talk to them and interview them of, you know, their coming all the way, like, you know, some of them would fly into these locations. Some of them would drive for 24 plus hours to get there. And, uh, you know, we just kind of talked to them about their experience with the game and what it means to them. And they're chatting with people in line and making new friends and saying, well, I'll see you online later. And, you know, it's awesome to see them like kind of come together around this mutual love for, for this game and this brand. And even, you know, get tattooed of this game for the rest of their lives and show their commitment and their love for it in that kind of way. It's awesome to see. Like that's one that, you know, it's just fandom to the max. And that was an event that we created and it was just really cool to, again, like combine the game and just what's happening in culture. Um, also have this hub where fans can come together and engage with not only representatives of the brand, but also with each other um, too. I love that. That's so cool. 
And Danny brings up um, something worth, I think, mentioning. Um, as you know, Diablo is a OG franchise. Uh, we're on the fourth iteration. The last one was over 10 years ago. But when we talk about marketing and marketing to everyone, we do have to do due diligence and give like extra special love to our core fan base. Um, that was always a priority, even knowing that we would target new audience, like, you know, people who uh, were in diapers or like grade school <laughs> when the last Diablo came out. Um, it, it was so important that we were still doing things for our core fans um, who had loved for the franchise since like the beginning. Also when like Danny and I were in diapers or, or whatnot. <laughs> I love I love that. And for my last for my last question, um, for those who are listening, like, oh, you need Danny, love that so cool that you guys are able to do these like cool all over the place campaigns and over the top. Like, what advice would you have for brand, uh, brand marketers who are listening? They're like, oh, we want to kind of like elevate our launches and stuff to, <clears throat> to the next level. Like, what do things? What did you think should they be doing to kind of think out of the box and really? bring the audience involved with them to really take it to the next level and be interactive. I mean, this, uh, and like, maybe it's because I'm like primed by working in like entertainment and cultural marketing uh, for so long, but you got it. You got to be bold um, and fearless. Like I, what I hate the most, and this has happened to me multiple times in my career is when I had an idea, I would like, maybe, you know, I pitch it in the room, whether it was agency or in house, but like kind of be like a little insecure about it and be like, okay, but like, or we don't have to do it and we can do this instead. And then I would see that idea go to market for another brand. And be like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I have that idea. It's like when you think of something that you could have invented and then five years later, you see it like going viral and like TikTok, it's that feeling. Um, I think it's, it, and this takes time, right? Like not everyone has uh, the sort of confidence right out the gate. Um, some people uh, definitely have it more than others. And some of it is built by experience, but when you know something, especially in the worlds that we play in, marketing is tapping into culture uh, in any way. Like everyone is doing this form of marketing, whether or not they they believe it or not. Even if they're doing, you know, paid growth marketing and uh, sending social ads out, all, all of that requires EQ, uh, insight in what people respond to, and understanding trends and what sort of content is well received. And um, everyone has their own uh, suite of insights, interests, and things that they know they're passionate about and um, that work. Um, and when you bring that passion into your work and you really want to pitch an idea that you know is going to rock culture might be a risk, like you can't be afraid. Like <laughs> you have to go for it, you know? Um, otherwise you get mediocre and safe work, which, you know, I'm not naming any names here, but like we see it all the time. We like see those ads where we're like, why did they do this? Maybe they just like threw money at the celebrity or just kind of like saw this trend and decided to respond to it six months later. You gotta, you gotta make a lot of mistakes to also get those, um, those gold uh, unicorn moments. So uh, again, I know it's, it's easier said than done because I was a much less confident marketer uh, 10 years ago than I am now, but you just, you just gotta go for it. I love that. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, being bold is a great way to position it. Um, my buzzword that I always tell my team as well, or someone that's looking to be on my team, it's, you know, I really value someone that is super proactive as well, because sometimes you don't know about the opportunity unless if you are willing to go chase it. And that happened a lot, you know, on Diablo. You know, I've been on this franchise for quite a few years now. And 
you know, I was, I saw the potential here of, oh, wow, there's something really cool about this one that we can have a lot of fun with. Like, let's build this, let's push it, let's do crazy, crazy stuff with this brand because we can, and we don't always have that opportunity. Um, And it was a lot of building trust along the way of, I have this crazy idea. What do you think? And just having, uh, bringing those ideas to the table for people that, you know, maybe weren't expecting those to show up really made a difference and really built the groundwork for what we were able to do for Diablo 4 this year. Um, so really just being willing to uh, come to the table with ideas, no, not shy away, not just accept like, okay, this is my role here and I'm just going to kind of walk through it, like really just be willing to take leaps and bounds and come to the table with, you know, new innovative things. Um, is really what's going to lead to massive success. And when you're looking at a brand like Diablo and the opportunity that you have to just kind of, you know, bump elbows and take a bit of risk, it's a lot of fun. And that's something too, when we bring in new people into the brand of, you know, agency partners or new team members, they kind of always naturally take a little safe. They're like, Ooh, it's this, this might be too risky. And we're like, no, that's awesome. Like take that (laughs) risk. We have to kind of push over the line to find the line. Um, but if we don't push, then we're not gonna, you know, we're, we're just not gonna be making any ground. We're, we're not going to get that added buzz around the brand that we can, if we're always playing it safe. Um, so that I think is the biggest thing. And, you know, we talk a lot about culturally cultural relevancy here. Um, and it is a lot of just staying in the know of what's happening in the world. And, you know, when you're coming to a table with those ideas that you might have and your creative outlook, having that perspective of, oh, I'm seeing this out there, you know, or I'm, you know, witnessing like a lot of this on my TikTok feed or, you know, I see like this is coming up. Uh, having those conversations and bringing your diverse perspective is key because we're all kind of like seeing different things on our feeds and having that conversation of, you know, what are those opportunities that, maybe you're seeing that I'm not seeing that maybe we can build something from. Um, So really just staying very integrated into what's happening in culture at large so that we can find, you know, those opportunities to take it, you know, with the brand's uh, angle or, you know, how can we really take this and run with it uh, is really key as well to just make sure that we've got new things to talk about. We know what's happening and how we can just brainstorm around does it make sense for our brand to do something on that? Well, you heard it here first, people. You have to risk it for the biscuit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, did you want to add anything? Or I don't know if you want to add anything. No, I was just going to no, add my snarky please. comment. I about, see, like, this is, yes. this, is why we're, this is why we're paired. I, like, and then Danny's like, you know, she lays it out in this super organized, beautiful flowchart of logical oh thinking. Um, but this is why she's my work wife. Um, uh, super lucky. You, you, you got you got a good. <laughs> you got a good. <laughs> but thank you both so much for being here and giving us so much insight. Like you guys both dropped so much knowledge. I'm like, dang, I gotta apply this to my own life for my own little interpersonal campaigns. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Just be bold, Colin. Be bold. But thank you both so much for joining us and giving us the insight and the inner workings of 
how all this comes about. Wow, how great was this episode? If you were like me, you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments. So if you do, feel free to add us at Adweek across Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. And we'd love to hear from you all. And feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode. So bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAS Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Aarons, and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com.